0: Thank you for listening to Truth in Life, a concise Christian belief series. This class was taught on a Sunday morning at Christ the Word Church because we believe that God's Word is truth and that His truth should shape our lives. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com. All right. Wow. So the first... First week of of college semester, you know, you have 100% of the students. Your second week goes down to 70%. And attendance is down a little bit. (laughs) I don't think it's going to get better after today's topic. (laughs) All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we we come to you and ask that you bless. Send your Holy Spirit. um, Help us to. Interact and ex- accept the truth uh, of this very difficult topic. Um, may we glorify you in it, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, you had some homework from last week, right? Any couple people want to share your uh, your thoughts, your conversations on eternity from the lens of time? anybody how you grappled with that I see a lot of different faces (laughs) did anybody do it (laughs) please anybody no all right well um, you should Um, you should This is, uh, so this series is on so what, or end times, or the things that all that Christianity is leaning up to. And um, contemplations on eternity are really what the Christian life is. So uh, last week we talked about heaven, and we talked about, we spent a whole lot of time on thinking about how long eternity is. So we're, I want you all to keep this in mind about after death, we live on forever and ever. It does not end. And you remember the story, the, my, my uh, attempt at interacting with and understanding eternity from the lens of time is taking that grain of sand. And by time, uh, Traverse City was fully transported. Eternity's just begun. So that was on the topic we all love to talk about, which is heaven, right? That sells a ton of books. I've had a whole bunch of requests for recordings from the first class. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Probably none for this one. This is on hell. So um, anybody heard of the 80-20 rule? 80-20 rule, there's about... Whatever discipline you are in, um, often it's used in, in planning, uh, construction. Um, the 20% that's visible, you know, say a, a building, is really welled up in the 80% of planning, right? So the thing that you see is really a minority of the amount of work that goes into it. There's all sorts of different ways people use the 80-20 rule, so you've, you've, you've heard it. The principle is just that. Uh, The 20% of the learning that we're going to talk about today is going to be in the 80% of the time, so probably 20, 20, 30 minutes. We're going to work on just setting up the conversation about hell. Um, So for those of you who want to get right into it on theological implications of hell and all that stuff we'll get to that but that's really all that's going to be the end if we don't get the 80 percent we're not going to get the 20 percent so my work today is to try and prepare our hearts and our thoughts on thinking about the reality of hell now one reason i know that that's necessary is Nobody wants to talk about hell. Absolutely nobody. I'll get into proving that here in a second. Um, Anybody know about vehicle bodywork painting, or at least the idea of it? Okay. Um, Anybody remember Mako? So Mako sells a $300 paint job. You take your car in, they clean it up, and they spray it looks beautiful from a mile away <laughs> and it lasts for how long last maybe it's a two-year paint job if you're really good in a craftsman in painting you spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours preparing that surface to receive the paint so I've seen it a couple times can everybody hear me I want to make sure you're not straining to hear me. Okay. Um, So you spend hours to the untrained eye doing really uh, unnecessary stuff. you got to prepare the metal. Before you put the primer on, if you even touch certain types of metal with your bare hand, you will leave your, your oily, just this little part from your hand. And that will cause the primer to delaminate over time. So tons of hours in just prepping that. Then you have the primer, and everybody loves loves that first coat after the primer. You put this nice finish, Candy Apple Red, and it's glossy, it's beautiful. And what will a craftsman do after that first coat? Anybody know? We'll sand it. It's infuriating. (laughs) It's beautiful, it's absolutely beautiful. So what they'll do is, is they'll take a 800 grit and they'll irritate it. They'll exfoliate. They will, um, give it an edge so that when the paint actually gets on it, it has something to grab onto. Okay. That's today is part of my job is to irritate you, not, not in, in the sense in provoking. Because we don't want to talk about hell. My job is to get us, this is not going to be a comfortable session whatsoever. It wasn't for me preparing for it, but it's very helpful. All right, there's what we're going to talk about pretty quickly. Eternal, uh, you can read. Um, Take a look at that. And I did ask that uh, the handouts deliberately not be uh, handed out for this one. I have to have your attention on this. Um, Okay, so I said, nobody wants to talk about this. Let me tell you about uh, my month. So about a week ago, I was in front of a casket. A young man, uh, about 28 years old, Secure enough to say one of the most handsome men I've ever seen. Athletic, built, uh, could have any woman he wants. He's at the casket, staring at him. And uh, is a Catholic funeral. And everybody was talking about how happier he is now in heaven. Um, The young man had just been indicted, seven-count federal indictment. He had a son, and uh, and so he took his life. But everybody in this funeral home, he's in a better place. A better place, of course. I don't know. Uh, nothing in his life, not because he's Catholic. Nothing in his life showed a fear of God. Um, during the time that he lived. So that was about two weeks ago. I was talking with another one uh, that same week. Uh, I won't go through all the details because I, I want to move forward, but she rebuked me for, for being concerned about my coworkers repenting and She said, well, she's Lutheran, if that means anything. Um, Mother mother is a uh, pastor. And uh, so she said to me, you know, all all God's people will ultimately be redeemed. All people will be redeemed. So this dismissal, okay? Uh, I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip that one doctor's party went for my annual checkup. Of course, first thing he th- says is you have to lose weight. Right. And uh, he, then he quickly goes into Jordan. You got to make sure you do that so you can in, in as much as possible live longer. He just quickly jumps into, well, when I die, I'm we're going to have a party. I've he, obviously wealthy and uh, said, I'm going to set aside quite a bit of fun so that we can we can party because I won't care after that. Uh, those, those accounts are really the evangelical church today um, I want to get through this other part before I uh, dig deeper into that how about, how about famous preachers Not surprisingly, Joel Olstein quoted in 2020 that uh, my approach, (laughs) my approach is not hellfire and brimstone because people are already beaten down by life and have too much guilt. I want to lift them up. Uh, It should irritate us. But anytime, like I said last week, as I provoke and talk about things in the Catholic Church, I'm not really actually, I don't really care about the Catholic Church. I care about the Catholic Church, the error that's in us. So anytime you hear me talk about this or Joel Olstein, be very quick to turn the consideration of the errors of Joel Olstein and say, Do I do this? I'm telling you, it's in you in some to some degree. I'll prove it here in a second. Rob Bell, everybody heard of Rob Bell, right? Famous, handsome. Uh, very positive. All these people are positive, by the way, right? Uh, At least by the world's view. Very famously in his book, uh, Love Wins, um, it's basically the same thing, that people in this life, uh, they go through difficult times. Ultimately, what what he says is, all people eventually become redeemed. That's his... His uh, philosophy, theology. Does that sound similar to something we talked about last week? What did it sound like? Purgatory. Purgatory. See, purgatory is in our heart too. We have this notion that eventually God is love and for other reasons uh, that we manipulate. Hell really doesn't exist. As God has defined it. We call that universalism and that's what I want to get to here in a minute. Another one of course has hundreds of thousands of followers. Uh, Hell used to bother him before he quit believing in it. Okay so this is this next part is for the young people which means older people you're not allowed to (laughs) uh, check out. So I grew up in the Baptist church where hell was talked about quite a bit. And uh, about 12 years ago, I was talking with a colleague. He was over. He came over to our house, and he wanted to talk about things. And turns out we have a very similar upbringing. And uh, we talked about the fear of God and the literal, literal hell and... He said, I went through that same thing, Jordan, and as I get older, just like Carlton Pearson, I couldn't take it. I don't want to live that way. I said, but God said it. How can you just, in your own mind, turn it off? It bothered me for a couple years. One day, uh, some of you have heard this, uh, one day, Steve, you know what I'm talking about, Steve Pilcher. One day, uh, he and I, this uh, gentleman and I were talking on the phone. And um, he was in the uh, uh, parking lot of the Andersons over where the Andersons used to be in Maumee. And the window was whipping. And uh, it's a pretty tense conversation. And he said, uh, Jordan, I got to go. Okay, so I go to the fire station, do some do some work. I can't remember. And paramedics are coming out. I said Jordan, "Did you hear? I said, hear what? Jim. He was rushed to the hospital." I was just talking to him. He's thir- thirty seven years old. That's also important. Uh, very wealthy, by the way. And. Uh, minute by minute there's report coming in and said actually we're hearing now it's not looking so good so at this point it's about two o'clock i i go home i'm troubled like i think he collapsed while i was on the phone and uh i'm thinking about this conversation i had (laughs) yeah is this real so i talked i was troubled talked with Allison. i said i gotta go i gotta go to the hospital I know he's unconscious, but could there be a chance for me to talk with him? So I go and uh, talk with his wife, his family's all there, and uh, didn't have the chance to talk with him again. That night he was ushered into eternity. One of the things in life that still bothers me to this day. Alright, so that's the personal story. How about some scholarly stuff, right? Let's not get so heavy. Um, of professed Christians who do not believe in hell. Okay, remember, I'm in the 80 part, 80% part. I'm setting up just to convince you that we don't, we don't. Uh, we we don't wanna acknowledge a literal hell as God has defined it. So whenever you go into research and statistics, immediately start thinking, yeah, that probably represents the evangelical church. So professed Christians who do not believe in hell. Some of these will strike against what we think. 54% are 50 years or older. So the people, the demographic that is closer to eternity by average time, have less conviction that there's a literal hell. I would have thought it was a younger. 31%, this is a plurality, which means it's the largest representative of a group, it's not necessarily the majority, but it's the largest represented group. 31% are under the poverty status. So it's not the rich. It's not the super highly formally educated. And all these are struck against what I had had thought. Almost all of them are certain of the existence of God. Not surprising. The plurality of them, again, serve... uh, are active in in weekly worship. They pray daily. Is this starting to sound like the evangelical church? It's exactly the evangelical church. Now here's where things get really wonky. Remember, they're Christians, but they don't believe in hell. (laughs) Something wrong with that. 69%, so almost all of them, believe right and wrong depend on the situation. Almost 60% hardly ever read scripture. (laughs) Now you see evidence. Oh, that makes sense. 72% rely on common sense, reason, or science as a source of right and wrong. And you know what? They feel peace throughout the week something wrong. What we do as evangelicals, as, even as Christians, our tendency is to take the morphine of life, which is to dull our senses to eternity, as long as we feel good. Remember, this is totally representative of the church. And they, we feel really good. We feel spiritual peace. All the while, Rejecting the truth of hell. Well, if we rely on common sense, if we rely on science and reason and our feelings, if we never base our uh, understanding on Scripture, we're going to feel good. We're going to feel good while denying that great and terrible day when the when the righteous and the unrighteous are split apart. So we must look to God's word, how He has defined how He has defined um, hell. So the wicked are judged as damned at the great white throne we've read this before. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead. You got this. And then, so the books were opened. And there were those who were judged who were obedient to the Lord and those who weren't. Uh, At the end of this down there, third line from the bottom, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if any name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So we can deal with our feelings all we want. We can do as Rob Bell does. As Joel Olstein says, this life is, is really difficult. But hell as an eternity, as a literal lake of fire, I got a problem with that. We must deal with the word of God. Here's where the goats and the sheep are split apart. He'll sit on his glorious throne and gather all the nations, and he'll separate, as a shepherd does, from sheep from goats. Then he'll say to those on his left, these are the goats, depart from me, ye cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And we talked about this, for I was hungry and you gave me, right? Versus the, the sheep, God's people, go away into eternal, eternal life. I got to move forward on some of this fairly quickly. Um, why are the wicked damned? Number one, because they rejected the Son of God. The one who believes on, in the Son has eternal life. The one who rejects the Son will not see life. But God's wrath remains on him. I mentioned before, there is a book. This isn't like a nice pizza, piece of literature. That's, yeah, there's like a book, and it represents, there's a literal book, and it's the book of life. And one day, in that great judgment, our names will be examined or the book will be examined to see if our name is there. So if Jordan Doherty's name is not there, I'm thrown into the lake of fire. If Jim's name is not there, he's thrown into the lake of fire. If your name is not there, I make eye contact with all of you. If your name is not there, you will be in the lake of fire. I don't care what you feel. I don't care your theology. I don't care what mechanisms you put place. I don't care if you like me right now. I don't care. If your name is not there, you will be cast into the lake of fire. You're battling, like everybody is in 2022, with trying to negotiate away hell as a reality. I'm young, I'm healthy, but everybody dies. And then the judgment. The Word of God says, and just as people are appointed to die once and then face judgment. Doesn't matter what you feel. Doesn't matter what your theology is. Doesn't matter. God's word is eternal. And that's what determines. So we talked about uh, re- uh, punishment for rejecting the son. It is eternal. So I call your memory to, to why we spent that time thinking about eternity from the lens of time that the eternal torments for for the wicked for those who reject the sun are forever and ever and ever you take the amount of time the 11 years it takes one grain of sand to walk it to the moon without end all of that is under torment the time it takes to take it back All of that is under eternal torment. And then you take the second one. Do you understand why it's important to think about eternity from the lens of time instead of letting your brain just go poof, yeah, 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 it's forever, never. This is God's wrath, God's perfect wrath being poured out for those who reject his son. Very important that you're careful what you believe, careful what you feel, careful what you dismiss, especially when it contradicts the word of God. You're not going to win. I'm not going to win. God's word is eternal. So Rob Bell, not only at this point, unless he repents, not only is his own soul in great danger, Christ also warns us of those who would, who would uh, harm little ones or mislead the little ones, those in his, his pastoral care. There is separation from God. If you want this slideshow, ask me afterwards. It has all the references. There's also the piece of the, the handout um, you can have afterwards. I'm happy to give it to you, but I really i am trying to keep these topics um, in front of you. So there's separation from God, and yet, there is the torment that is witnessed by him and his angels. He talks about in Revelation 14. So God is, is still seeing it. Okay. Let me read this. So um, what do we know about hell? It's torment with brimstone and fire. When you have a chance, go look up YouTube. Look up brimstone. It is a... Uh, is an element that burns very, very hot, and it's sticky when it starts melting. So when you heard of Sodom and Gomorrah were uh, fire and brimstone, Um, uh, think of that. So Jesus presented another parable saying, The kingdom of heaven uh, may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore again, then the tares became evident also, tares being those who, didn't, who grew up and looked like the people of God and yet were not. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. So the good, the, follower, the true followers of Jesus. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them up. But gather the wheat from my barn. So in this, in, in uh, Matthew, there's from that first series that I just read, Jesus talks about a couple other things, like the mustard seed. (laughs) And so there's kind of this separation of topic. And then it uh, reintroduces. Then he left the crowds and went to the house. And his disciples bring it up to him again. Like, this is bothersome. The wheat, the tares, would it not bother you? And he said, you know this, the one who sows good seed... And he goes through all those. um, I'm just trying to abbreviate this. So just as the tares are all gathered up and burned with fire, so it shall be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels. Remember, we don't want to believe this. We don't want to believe this. And a man will in that day send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace with fire. In that place, for those of us who are prone to think it's a difficult time that eventually comes to an end. That it's a a soul sleep. It's a something other than what is just said. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear. He who has ears, let him hear. Excuse me. So we go to Jonathan Edwards for a lot of this. I'm going to go through. It pretty pretty quickly. Um, there's an error of a that speaks of annihilism, which me which says when even when the wicked die, they're just dead to everything. Scripture doesn't talk about that. Jonathan Edwards in his famous um he has a famous sermon on this. You think I'm a little intense I'm nothing compared to what Jonathan Edwards said. He talks about the literal hell you will, the wicked, excuse me, will feel. It is a sensible thing, meaning you will feel it with the senses. Remember me talking, asking last week, should we be motivated by reward? You know, degrees of reward? Christ is, is careful to let us know there are degrees of judgment, of torment. I'm going to move on in this for the sake of time. We got 13 minutes. God is very clear that eternal punishment for rejecting the Son, will consist of felt misery and torment, not annihilation. I'm I'm gonna move on. This is where Jonathan Edwards makes his argument for why annihilation doesn't happen and why uh, why the judgment will be felt and miserable. The wicked in their punishment are said to weep and wail and gnash their teeth, which implies not only a real existence, but life, knowledge, and activity, and that they are very sensible and exquisite manner affected with their punishment. That's simply saying, in hell, there is full awareness, full of knowledge, undergrowing the wrath of God. Um, interesting. I've heard people say Christ speaks a lot more on hell than he does on heaven. I tried to look that up. I'm not sure that's true. Um, But he talks about hell a lot. More accounts. and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, they have no rest day and night. Again, people will say that the eternal torments for the wicked end at some day. Christ says it will be forever and ever, day and night, without rest. It is conscious torment. You don't go to sleep. It's not a bad dream. You don't have this dream and say, wow, that was a bad dream. I hope I wake up soon. For the wicked, you don't fall asleep. It's not a bad dream. It is eternal torment by the holy God. So, a moment on this. So, you look, at, uh, a, you look at the paintings, the depictions of what artists think hell is going to be, and you really have two, two different categories. The first category, which is about 98-99% of them, show graphics, troubling graphics of torments of the wicked. You know, men and women in cauldrons, you know, under, over a fire like they're being cooked. And it shows them in, in different states of misery. Right? And then you have, usually it's the devil and his demons poking or the initiators of the, uh, of the pain. And then you have this. I'll tell you, the 98% is absolutely false. It depicts as if Satan and his devils enjoy, or the the ones who mete out the judgment. And that, you know, with the devil with the pitchfork, he's just more conditioned for that hot environment, you know, and he can tolerate it, and he's the actor. That is absolutely false. As graphic and as provocative as it is to get people to fear, as some say people say hell is, is it's a tactic by Jordan to get you to fear, to get you to, to listen. Absolutely false. Hell is a lake of fire. There's no enjoyment. It's God's righteous wrath being poured out forever and ever on those who reject His Son. As Scripture defines it, this is a better depiction of it. Not trying to scare you, just trying to tell you the truth. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. These are the thoughts I have about my coworkers. First starts with me. Why does God spend so much time describing hell if we're not supposed to do something with it? Christ says, there's wheeling and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so here's the twenty percent. Hell is eternal and it's irreversible. Deal with it. Again, proof of the lake of fire: if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he is thrown in the lake of fire. All right, second chance. Wrong views of hell: that there's a second chance. Scripture uh, uh, in no way indicates this. It says you die once, and then the judgment. It says after that judgment, there's a second death, the lake of fire. I can't, I'm not going to go through all that. This is for free, no extra charge. Of the heresies in the church, and there are many, and many longstanding standing uh, one of the main ones, just as an example that's been around for millennia, is um, the rejection as God as Father. That's probably one you've heard. Okay, um, that, That's been consistent throughout the, 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 uh, the Christian church. Universalism, the belief that all eventually over time become saved, become redeemed, My argument is that is the number one heresy that's gripped the global church in the last 50 years. Catholic, Baptist, Lutheran, Muslim, ultimately all are denying the the way God defined hell. And what they do is they say God is loving he will ultimately redeem everyone. It denies the truth of salvation through Jesus Christ. In other words, like purgatory, that through, throughout the wrath of God purifying you, or over time, through merits, through somebody else's merits, you will be saved. It denies the truth that Jesus Christ alone, It ultimately denies the existence of literal hell and God's judgment. And if we had time, I really wish we could do this for two weeks. Um, I'm feeling the anxiety right now of wanting to get deeper on this, improving this. This is much more accepted than you might think. Uh, annihilism. We're, We're just moving on. Loving God would not send people to hell they say God is love, period, as they define it. Of course, God is love, but again, how they define it is uh, where the error is. I should say God has provided the way for salvation. That is his love. Not that he won't send people to hell, but that he has provided a way out. The wicked reject this truth by rejecting his son. And then, of course, we uh, we deny that God is just. Uh, and God is holy. All right, um, hell is too severe a judgment. Uh, don't don't have to read that. We've read this before. Remember, there's there's three surprises of those who are, in heaven. Right, those who those who aren't there those who are there and what's the third one that I'm there well there's three surprises for the Christian who's there who's not there and I'm not there so we have two minutes What do we do with this? I mean, like the bad dream, this session's about to be over. One of the main criticisms of the ungodly about preaching about hell is that it's a tactic to try to get you to do something. And they're right. (laughs) They're right. in in the middle of middle of the uh, second millennia for a few hundred years in the growth of the, the the uh of the church you saw periods of time where the church grew and we saw a great many people come to faith and interestingly those are often tied to great plagues During great plagues, when people were throwing out bodies into the street, death was in front of you all the time. So you thought about that all the time. And there is a great, great repentance during that time. So there is, there is good to this. What I do want you to think about is, if you have accepted Christ and he, His righteousness is your own, your life should be, like mine, should be full of gratitude. Because I deserve this. That picture you saw, I deserve that. But it's Christ's righteousness. That's what, that's what I owe it to. It should also motivate us to talk to people. If you love them, you warn them. The whole idea of love is tolerant and you don't really get in there. Love is going and you rescuing, rescuing and warning. I can't fall to the, can't bear the thought of my children in that day. And the reality is, that's what's happened in the American church. We never, talk to our kids who have grown up in the church that they might be in danger of the hellfire. Shame on us. Don't assume your children know God because they know the covenants. Remember David and Abishai went off, lived this Wicked life. Why? Because he wouldn't question him why he did anything. You have to think and talk about hell. God did. And you have to define it the way he did. And for the Christian, it should provoke enormous gratitude. It should also cause us to love other people and warn them. Where's my, uh, close this. Thank you for listening to Truth In Life. If you enjoy this series, make sure to subscribe. And remember, this is Truth To Live By.